So, are we ready to go to Balticon? Well, actually, that was last week. No, 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 no. Last week was the Potter Powwow. This week is Balticon. No, actually, it's a Geeks Who Drink tonight at the Irish Pub. You're dreaming, mate. That's tomorrow night. No, 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 no. What do you mean I'm dreaming? My memory's like a steel trap. Uh, yeah, a rusty one. <laughs> you know, I told you. No, it's all the time. I said, guys, what this week? Guys, what? Why don't you just check out the Nerd Out app? What's the Nerd Out app? If you're looking to connect with local dungeon crawls, movie marathons, or trivia nights in your corner of the world, then you need the Nerd Out app. The Nerd Out app is your mobile planner for science fiction conventions, gaming events, film festivals, and even special museum exhibits geared for the geek in you. And if you want to catch the latest news on what's happening or coming soon to your current location, swing by nerdoutapp.com where we feature upcoming events, convention reviews, and more. And just like the blog, the Nerd Out app is free. Stay in the know on where to get your geek on with the Nerd Out app, available for iOS and Android. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 90 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today I'm excited to be rejoined by Rob from the Comic Box. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. 90, congratulations, dude. That's cool, man. 90 episodes. You're getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I, I just realized that, you know, the planning needs to start for episode 100, or episode 100 is just going to be another episode. <laughs> it's it's a normal episode, except you get to eat cake. Oh, okay. Yeah. You just eat cake during, that's the whole podcast, is just the sound of you eating cake. Yeah, I could, I could pull that off. I could pull that off easily. Uh, last, last week, uh... Michelle Jensen from the Nerd Out app said that I need to throw a big party and then just record it live with a bunch of, you know, crazy drunken people in one room. Yeah, make it one of her Nerd Out events. Yeah, like a meetup. I was going to yeah. say adventures, but those are tricks. <laughs> Which, by the way, sounds super cool. Like, I'm totally down with everything she was talking about. The idea of the getting together with a bunch of nerds and going to, to different Harry Potter shooting locations um, and then uh, being in costume the whole time. Like, that's... A, yeah. That's right up my alley. That sounds so absolutely. Funny. I think, in fact, I think a big, <laughs> a big portion of her uh, uh, first few trips are going to be people like you and I who are like, absolutely yes. <laughs> She's like, I need new people yeah. to come into the into the fold. No, <laughs> just us. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Ireland has all their, especially obviously Northern Ireland has like several Game of Thrones tours, and some of them, you know, have kind of like there's one where you can go to the castle. Uh, where they film the courtyard of Winterfell, and they actually have, like, Winterfell costumes you can put on, and you can do archery oh, in the courtyard. Cool. But that's, like, a thing you get at the castle. Like, we were looking at the package for it, and it's super expensive, mm -hmm. so we didn't do it. But um, 
you know, and otherwise they take you to like the dark hedges and they take you to the Karika Reed rope bridge and they take you to, you know, some of the cliff and pretty locations where they've shot things for Game of Thrones. Uh, but I think it's just a normal mm-hmm. tour bus. I don't know. I've seen multiple friends and even one of my old college professors uh, went around and did one of these tours. But I don't know how much of it is really super themed versus people being in costume the whole time, having debates of, you know, characters, lineages or which house has the best words. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But however you would you would yeah, just, just the bus trivia alone has got to be fun. Like if that if you did that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's got to be a place for that somewhere. The hard part is getting getting your sword through airport security. <laughs> it's so true. You work it out. So true. Well, very cool. Well, what have you been geeking out about? What's our our weekly geekery this week? So, um, mine is going to be very similar to the one for my episode that is out as we're recording here. I just put it out last night. Uh, Liam and I recorded. Uh, my big thing was last weekend, I was a panelist for two days at a local new convention, mm-hmm. Minnesota Fan Fest, which is run by the same company that does the Phoenix Fan Fest that people will hear about if they listen to, like, Two Gay Geeks. They talk about that a lot. Um, and I got sick the second day, so I did one of, like, the four panels I was supposed to be on. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, I felt really, really bad, because normally they're like... We usually ask, you know, you get free tickets for the weekend if you do two panels. And they're like, we usually don't want people to try and do more than like two a day. And I was like, I'll be fine. I talk all the time. I talk for a living sometimes. And I did. How many did I do the first day? I ended up filling in because Liam had one and I went to record it for the podcast. And then their third panelist didn't show up. So I just served as their third panelist. So I did um, one, two. I do a third one. And then I know there was one that I backed out of in order to be a judge for the costume contest. And then I got to be a judge for the costume contest. And then on uh, Sunday, I just did the Harry Potter panel. And uh, then, like I said, there were three other panels I wasn't able to do. Uh, Beyond that, I mean, reading comics, I started reading Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol, which is like held up as this really great comic. It 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 reads like a book written in the 80s, which is, I think, when mm-hmm. he took it over, or it might have been early 90s. It kind of reads like it, uh, very much kind of like some of the Vertigo books and like Hellblazer, where clearly there's bigger concepts going on. And he likes playing with these really weird ideas of people's imaginary friends entering reality. And, and Grant Morrison likes dealing with imagination a lot in his writing, which can mm-hmm. get pretty heady. Um, but I'm enjoying that. I read... Pride of Baghdad, which was written by Brian K. Vaughn. It is about lions that escaped the Baghdad Zoo when the U.S. bombed the Baghdad. Um, and it's so it's a fictional tale and they talk to one another. Um, think the Lion King, I guess, if the Lion King took place in Baghdad while it was yeah. being bombed. Have you, did you enjoy it? I did. It was a very interesting uh, work and you could tell they were trying to be very careful about yeah something. i it's been a long time since i read it but it was uh i remember it being good but thinking hmm, they're 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 holding themselves back in some of this they are but at the same time their points yeah. are pretty blatant yeah. you know about um pollution and i guess just caring for animals in general and uh, and that sort of idea. But I read that. That was fine. Uh, I finished watching Glow, the Netflix series. 
I then watched the Glow documentary about the actual Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling mm-hmm. television show. Uh, and that was okay. And uh, then I watched the three-episode Castlevania thing on that. Was that any good? It's okay. Uh, you know, it's it's very an anime style, which I'm generally mm-hmm. not into. Um, the interesting thing, and one of the big reasons I watched it, is it's written by Warren Ellis, who is a comic book writer. He's the guy who wrote... Uh, for me, the big one is Transmetropolitan, but he's written um, all sorts of stuff for different companies. He wrote The Authority, I believe, um, and uh, there's a couple other books out there that he's well known for writing. Uh, my favorite is, like I said, mm-hmm. Transmetropolitan. So it was. I wanted to see what it would be like for this comic book guy to write a video game property as a cartoon and see if it's as terrible as you would think a video game property as a right. cartoon would be. And it was fine. I don't think I'm going to watch the next season when it comes out. It's not really my cup of tea. It's very gory, right. which I don't mind, but just gory cartoons. Are yeah. Cause thing. it's then, cause I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I don't think about it, but yeah, it doesn't have to be realistic. So why go there? Yeah. Well, it's that unrealistic splattering of eyeballs yeah. and brains and yeah. intestines. Yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason, just not my yeah, thing. Well, I get that. <laughs> I definitely get that. Yeah. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, oh, especially to you, because you're the one that suggested it, was uh, my wife and I watched the first two, I think, episodes of, is it Grace and Frankie? It's Grace Frankie and Frankie. And Grace. Grace and Frankie. So we watched the first, I think we finished the second episode and, of that. And what did you think more. about it? It's not as funny as I think you were making it out to be. Maybe I need to get deeper in the show because mostly it's you, just Yeah, depressing. you do. Because the first the first couple of episodes sets okay. the stage for everything and it just gets more ridiculous as time right. goes on. Yeah, so that's okay. the thing. Cause, All right. Cuz it's very and we, we we mentioned that ourselves. We feel like maybe we need to get further into it because the first couple episodes is just, you know, the conceit of the show being it's it's two older women and their older husbands tell them at the same time that they're gay, leaving their wives and mm-hmm. getting married. And so they're these two women who are very, you know, comically different. The one is very new age. The other is very conservative and clean and, and upper class living um, are sort of thrown together in this beach house because they neither want to be around their husbands or soon to be ex-husbands and their lives are falling apart and they can't stand one another. And they're super depressed because they're dealing with the fact that now they're alone again, but they're like old. So their lives in their minds are Mm -hmm. pretty much over. And it's like, I'm trying to find the humor like if, but it's not even black humor. It's like normal humor. That's just sort of inserted around the edges of all of this depression. Right. Well, and and what what will, will start happening is they, they start taking turns being um, depressed. And so the other one has to kind of get them out of their funk but because they're so completely different that that attempt doesn't usually like the sentiment behind it makes a difference. But in order to get to that difference, it feels like that's where the comedy comes from because they, they try like, okay. come on, I'm gonna make you feel better. And they absolutely don't, but you start to see their relationship develop as time goes on. And, um, and quite honestly, I, cause I think the reason why I recommended it was because you're a big Ethan Embry fan. 
Yes. Well, that's when we talked on the podcast, but I've just, I've heard you mention the show mm -hmm. over and over again, just in with other guests talking about the show. And it was like, all right, we got to do a thing. I'll, I'll yeah. When, when the, when the, the characters come in a little bit later, um, they're a little bit more ridiculous and it, it gets better. It gets better. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yes. Important to know. All right. And beyond that, it was just watching the Defenders. So how about you? What are you um, other than watching the Defenders, which um, I, I'm, I'm kind of dragging my, my family along with me because <laughs> they, they're just kind of not into it. I, I, I think I spent all my capital on, on Iron Fist when we... Fam family including the yes. in-laws? <laughs> how was that Luke Cage, Claire Temple scene for you? Nice um, she said, oh my, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to get to. So, because I think I've mentioned before on this show that whenever I sit down and watch television with my in-laws, it's always the worst episode of whatever show we're going to do. Yeah. So, right. you know, it was like, well, this could have been a whole lot worse. Um, but, yeah. uh, but no, at this point they're, they're all kind of, all three of them are like reading or they were watching the, the hurricanes hit Texas last night on their iPads. Oh, and I was like, that's fine. I'll just watch the show myself. But, uh, we're back to school. And so I've got a new class right. of, of kids to corrupt their minds and they're good. They all seem right. to be a lot more, um, a lot more chilled than some of my previous classes. Like every year we put them in groups. And I asked them the first day of school, you know, put down the name of the one kid in this class you're not going to be able to work with so that I don't put you in a group with them. And if you, and somebody always says, well, what if you don't care? And I was like, if you can work with anybody, then you just put I'm awesome. And that's all I need to see. Well, I, but now is this where you, you've talked about how your class size has expanded you know, almost exponentially. Like, is this another one? No, no, this classes? is my English class. No, my, my, uh, my drama class, which I just had for the first time yesterday, um, two years ago, it had 36 kids in it, which is a normal class size. Uh, last year I got 50 kids in it. And as of Friday, I think I was up to 65. Now, how are they like legally allowed to, is it, in the theater, then, that you hold the class? It will be now, because we looked up, and as I was counting the kids, the kids pointed out that we were about 10 over our maximum occupancy. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. so we moved, yeah. we'll, we'll be moving down onto the, the stage. Unfortunately, the dance team takes the, the space in front of the stage, because there's mirrors along the wall. So, um, we'll have to kind of close the curtain, close the, the divider because it is meant to be a classroom okay. and um, hope that I can still talk over the music that they're blaring in the rest of the theater. Oh, because the classes yeah. are at the same time. Yeah, all our electives at the same time. I feel I'm having trouble picturing what this looks like. You might need to put a picture on Twitter or something. Yeah, I'll have to. It's like um, kind of like a cafetorium where it's the stage at one end and then the rest of the room is just completely flat. So you can use it as a conference room. You can use it as a... Um, you know, we set up ex exhibits in there for when the kids do like, um, presentations when, uh, we'll do a lot of, um, uh, what are they called? Like convention style or, um, oh my God, what, why can I not think of the word? Uh, we, we can't actually fit the entire school into our, <laughs> into our auditorium. Um, but, but yeah, we'll do small assemblies and you just pull the chairs out, out of the, um, 
you know, we have them stacked against the wall and you put out an audience for them. And that's what we do for our shows. But most of the time it's just a flat okay. floor. I mean, they have the dances in there. Um, and then, um, on stage there's, you know, a little apron and a curtain and then you can pull out this kind of accordion screen to actually make it a classroom. So it's almost a, it's a little bit more soundproofing from the, the main space. So I'll, I'll try and find a, a picture and, and send it over. But the, the cool thing was, is that, uh, because I've got a group of kids, what I, I tend to do at the beginning of the year is try and get to know them a little bit the first day or two. And so I had them put on their, um, on a, an index card on one side, I put their name and on the back side, I asked them for three questions. One was a random fact about themselves. One was what do they geek out about? And I said, if you're a jock and you're like, I don't geek out about things. I got news for you. You geek out about sports. So I just kind of put it that way. And I kind of went like, I'm going all full on geek with these kids this year because it's not a secret. Mr. Hogan's a geek. So, um, and then what their spirit animal slash Patronus was. Okay. And, uh, and then I flipped through the cards, like shuffled them up and I started calling them one by one and they had to answer one of the three questions just so I had a little bit of a context for who they were and helps me learn names. And then they, then they could ask me a question. So it was kind of cool because it, there was a lot of geeking out, a lot of people sharing like video games that we should be playing. And that was kind of fun. So do you start right off the bat by telling them like, I talk about you guys and I have a podcast and I do, you know, or I have two podcasts kind of thing. Like, is that a thing they know about? Or is it like, like we had, I wasn't in band, I, I but I dated a band girl in high school and her teacher was in a band and they sort of knew about it but it wasn't like a thing that they openly discussed in class it was just he plays on a in a band on the weekends kind of thing yeah i mention it i mention it i don't uh, and i've had kids go what's your what's your podcast again and even though both of them have explicit ratings this one's not really explicit it's just i leave it open in case somebody wants to swear um right Fuck you. <laughs> and then um but i don't tell them too much about the state of the geek because i'm really not supposed to talk politics at school Right. And you don't want them, even though you're not in school, it's still a platform and you still hold a position of, of authority. Yeah. So I don't, I don't advertise that one, but geek to dude, I mean, the whole message of that is bringing people together about things they, they like. So I don't think there's anything that I can get in trouble for that other than people saying, well, you're advertising stuff that, you know, would make you money at school, but it doesn't make me any money. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so that was fun. It was kind of cool to meet them. It's always the the first week of school is always the best. Like, you know, all the po okay. all the possibilities are there, and then you just kind of navigate for the rest of the year. You know, try and keep it as high as possible because we get tired and they get tired. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so I enjoy the first week. Um, I also decided that when I was in um. In Europe, and we were going through Iceland and Norway and hearing all these stories about Vikings, that when I got a chance and got back to the States, I was going to start looking into some Norse mythology podcasts. Because, oh. yeah, because at this point, I, I get pretty much all of my new knowledge through podcasts because I've got 15 hours a week to fill, and, uh, and it's a good way to learn things while you're driving. And unfortunately, I don't know much about Norse mythology. I know a lot about Greek and about as much Roman because they're very close. Uh, but I know very little Norse. And with Thor coming out 
And having been exposed to, you know, Iceland and Norway for two weeks, I was like, I really want to get into some North mythology, Norse mythology. And so I kind of put a call on Facebook and on Twitter to kind of send me some ideas for uh, Norse mythology podcasts. And I didn't really get any Norse mythology podcasts, but I did get um, two that I'm really enjoying. Myths Your Teachers Hated, which is, um, I don't remember the guy's name, but it, it's funny. It's really funny because he kind of, like, it's not safe for work. He swears every other word, but he kind of just puts it the way somebody on Facebook would be commenting on these stories if they were news articles. Like drunk history. Yeah, a little bit, but even more, even more in your face. Like, you know, the number of times he'll say, what the fuck? Like after you know, some, some God does something and it, it's just funny. Like just some of the phrasing that he does or he'll, you know, he'll do um, lists of things that the characters did and two of them sound very academic. And the third one is just, you know, kind of ghetto or very pop culture-y and it's it just the way he puts it it's very entertaining it's very very entertaining but he's not doing just like he started off with the greek um creation myths and then he moved on to uh some like how beer came out of the viking culture and then he's got some eastern myths so he jumps all over the place but they're all very entertaining and then somebody pointed me towards lore have you ever listened to Lore? Oh, Lore is one of my regular podcasts. Yeah, I, I had heard of it, I think, on the Nerd for a Living podcast, maybe once upon a time. But it's really good. Yeah, and it's interesting because the way that it ex exploded. Now, I can't speak to what sort of marketing he was doing on the side in order to promote it. But his very, very, very specific cadence, which almost wouldn't work in any other form. Mm-hmm. You know, because the way that he speaks is very deliberate and unique. And I think that was part of uh, the success of it as well. Yeah, no, it's and it's I think I've gotten through three episodes of that. They're not long. Not, neither of these uh, podcasts have very long episodes, which is kind of nice because you can get through a whole bunch of them. But but sure. um, like I'm just on the I'm on episode like three or four and he's talking about the the weird mausoleum up in, I think, Washington that's got like the family buried in seats around a table. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it's kind of creepy. Yes. Yeah. I remember that episode. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know offhand how far in he is now on the show, but he's been around for long enough where, I mean, he's got a website and he has other exclusive content, I think for people mm -hmm. that donate. And then he's got like a TV show on the way and a live speaking tour and he's doing a book. So it's it's certainly grown. So he's doing that natural progression of podcasts that does well. Then you move into live shows. Then you move into publication. Um, and then eventually, if you're good enough, you move into television. Yeah. So that's cool. So those those yeah. are the two things I'm looking into. I'm trying to find some other like, again, if anybody has any just flat out Norse mythology podcast, somebody's it's like, I'm going to start at like the beginning and work my way through. Would love to know about it, but I haven't been able to find one yet. I would think, though, that you must there must be mythology podcasts out there where you can find Norse mythology related 
episodes, mm-hmm. you know, individual episodes of things, especially with Thor. They'd be like, this is what's going on in pop culture right now. So let's talk about the actual origins of the mythological character and how they correspond to the comic book. And then from the comic book, how that corresponds to the movie, because uh, there's uh, a lot of difference there, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the way that the stories are portrayed, the idea of Loki having children that are literal wolves and how, how did that happen? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's mythology. That's how all that works. It's like people exploding out of other people's heads and eating one another. And yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's mythology. one of the, one of the myths your teachers hated is, is he's talking about um, the, the giants in Norse mythology and he's like, they're really inconsistent. So we're just going to go with it. And then you see, he'll, he'll make reference to it like two or three times. And he goes, so, cause remember inconsistent, but we don't care cause it's mythology. And then he keeps going. Right, exactly. Yeah, I have a book of Norse mythology that is like illustrated. So it's kind of a kid's book, but it's also very direct in telling you what the stories are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that growing up just because I, I really liked the art and um, I liked creation stories. It was a thing that I had for a little while where I was just really enjoying different myths coming up with reasons the world exists and how the world came to be. And maybe I had a book of those or something. Um of just different creation myths around the world. And I think that's fun. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you start to see similarities between vastly different cultures. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was, I, this is the first year I don't have to teach Frankenstein. I'm very excited about it because <laughs> I've been teaching it for 12 years, but, um, and instead I get to teach uh, Shakespeare. So win, win, win for me. But uh, in, in the process we, you know, it's the, the full title of Frankenstein is Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. So I get to go through the, Prometheus myth when I teach that right. and you know I, I kind of you know I'm I'm I, ha- I have issues with religion <laughs> so when I say um, you know and then you know Pandora lets out all these bad things and and I say does that sound familiar to anybody and somebody will inevitably say it sounds like Adam and Eve and I'm like yep and then I just leave it there <laughs> Just leave it there. Right. Yeah. Because I assume you're not allowed to get into. Mm, it. Um, I'm not allowed to get into it from a. Yeah. The, the the less I deal with it, the better. Put it that way. Yeah. Exactly. Because there's no way you can't argue any way you discuss it. You know, you can say it's purely academic, but then if it's academic, it means it's based in science, and if it's based in science, it can sound like you're denouncing religion, mm-hmm. and then you mucky, 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 and and just not not a thing you want to get stuck in the muck of discussing religion. I just, I remember that in, in high school and science teachers trying to, you know, handle that topic. And I know we had one student who, cause I was in high school at the time of, I mean, I don't know what you would call it. I always called it sort of the new Christian youth, uh, whatever. I don't even remember what I called it anymore. Not reinvigoration, Renaissance or something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. but it, it was it was when Christian youth culture was exploding around the U.S. at that time, or at least here in the Midwest, like Christian rock being mm-hmm. a thing and whatever. This is in the early 2000s and uh, very late 90s. And um, so you had, you know, uh, like there was a student in class who just she always had a Bible sitting on the desk next to her because she believed that it helped her in her studies or whatever. And it was. You know, when we're debating science and evolution and that sort of thing, or if somebody would make fun of her and the teacher has to step in and be like, hey, look, it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. And then he's he has to, on some level, address 
creationism because we're talking about evolution and we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? So I think I don't know what the law was at the time, because that's always where things get really confusing. But no, I don't. The point was because I'm going into a long story for no reason. The point is, I don't envy trying to skirt that issue when you're trying to teach somebody something um, instead of just saying there's multiple belief systems. We're yeah, not allowed to yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I mean, it things that you don't think it would be an issue are an issue. Like last year, I did a, a really good show. Like it was probably one of the best shows we produced at my school. Um, called Stage Fright, and it takes place in this theater where this magician has kind of trapped his soul in a Ouija board. Oh my god, the number of calls that my principal got because I said I was going to use a Ouija board in a show. I'm like, we're not... Like, seriously? And I still, to this day, I was talking to one of my my sophomores, and he's like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to audition for the show. And I said, well, why not? We're doing a musical. We really need your voice. It's awesome. He's like, well, you did that show last semester with... Um, the Ouija board. I'm like, seriously, this is still a thing. And he's like, yeah, my mom's really religious. And I'm like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll like, try and fix it. <laughs> yeah. There's religious. And then there's like spiritualist, which is where the Ouija board actually comes from. It was the talking boards of the late 1800s. And I've done research on that stuff actually. Cause I find all that really fascinating. Um, and that whole history and like, it's just people making money. Yeah, well, and she thinks it's John. It's John Edwards. It's the same thing. Like I and and it was about a Ouija board. It didn't. We didn't. We didn't actually use the Ouija board. Nothing was quote unquote yeah. summoned. It's like it was just a play about a Ouija board. Like, oh yeah. my god! But, it's a thing that exists in the real world. Therefore, art can exist referencing that thing that exists uh, in the real exactly. world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, you know, <laughs> at, to my to my vice principal and principal's credit. When the parents called, they were like, it's, you know, put out by Hasbro or, you know, Milton Bradley or whatever. It's just a toy. You know, you can have whatever feelings you want, but it's not affecting anybody who's great. So if she doesn't want to be, if you don't want your daughter involved in the show, then don't have her audition for the show. And it's fiction. There's people that commune with spirits in lots of Shakespeare. Like, is, does that not count? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, because well it's, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Tempest when I start talking about the Tempest and the fact that there's a sorcerer, we'll see if uh, that causes problems for people. Meh. Meh. <sighs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> good thing. Happy things. Hey, geekery. Geekery. So yes. So um so we're I'm enjoying those new two podcasts. So those are cool. things that I I highly recommend people go out and listen to. Yes, lore is awesome. I thoroughly enjoy it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the first half of Defenders. So if you're not fully caught up yet, but you're up through episode four, stick around. Comics. Hey, everyone. This is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. 
Hey everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, Well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today. And we're back. So, Defenders. Yes. We have been waiting for it for a while. Yes. And the, uh, for at least for me, the momentum was really strong until I hit the wall of uh, Iron Fist. <laughs> and the, oh, yeah. And then um, I was like, okay, well, I hope this is good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even to me, Luke Cage lagged a bit in the center as well. I thought it was longer than it needed to be to tell the story it wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yes, very much so. I mean, you hit Iron Fist and it's it's Iron Fist hitting you. And you're like, oh, I just don't like this guy and nothing that's happening is of... Like, there's some really cool ideas in there of a secret school that's in the middle of New York that somehow people can't leave, even though it's, like, in the middle of Manhattan or something. Right. Uh, that trains ninjas? Like, I don't know. It's very Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, oh, my God, it is. I never thought about yeah, that, they're... but you're absolutely right. Oh, they they call themselves the hand, but, I mean, they're really the foot. <laughs> um, so what what were your initial thoughts? Now, we're only going over the first four episodes. Have you finished it? Oh, God, yes. I watched it all one day. Okay. I, pol- I polished the whole thing, or maybe two days. I polished the whole thing off because um, uh, since I was doing the con, I didn't know when Liam was going to be available. So I recorded a podcast with some just general broad thoughts. So um, I have already spoken on my podcast about it, but not in great detail um, or as much detail as I, th- I think we'll probably do here. Or whatever. I don't know how long we've been recording already and how long we've been on the show to go. <laughs> but, um, yes, I have seen the entire program. Overall thoughts is I enjoyed it. There was definitely some big geek moments in there for me as a comic book fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cert- it's not my favorite. I didn't walk away saying, wow, this is amazing. This is the best thing Netflix has done for Marvel. No, I would agree. And I think that I think these first four episodes very much lay the groundwork for that impression. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I tried to not get past episode four, but last night I needed to finish up and get episode four done. And I, I hope for somebody who hasn't gotten all the way through yet that if you get to episode four, it's very easy to go to five and six, which is what we did last night. Right. Um, because I feel like episode the end of episode three is what kind of pushes you into the rest of the series because the first two episodes are a little slow yes they are they're pretty Mm -hmm. like the big thing they have going for them is everybody has their own color and they they instill that in you in the opening to the show and then um you know in the episode itself everybody kind of has their own color palette well and it feels to me and and i don't know if you'd agree or not but it feels to me that the the cinematography in general feels very comic booky. Sort of. Um, I, the cinematography, maybe yes. I mean, I think there are some some pretty shots in there for sure, um, and that I will give you. It's it's just it's hard to 
separate the cinematography from the editing mm-hmm. and the editing, especially in the first couple episodes um, and some of the direction as, as well. You know what? No, I'm going to take back what I said. I just didn't like some of the cinematography in the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I remember making a, a, a clear point in my mind of I don't like the way they're directing this, because if it's they're trying to make it more exaggerated in comic booky, they're failing because if you want to make it look comic booky, make it look cinematic Mm -hmm. like comic books are in many ways the exact same thing as storyboards for movies you know it is the direction goes from left to right or right to left or or whatever it is and you know we split up our panels in order to pace people because you're setting the pace of the action in people's minds by how big the panels are and how many words are in there and how dynamic the art is very much as you do with the film and how fast you edit you know so the panel in a comic book are the same as shots in a movie and as fast as a movie is shot that is how uh the panels are either shaped or how many panels you get on a page is the same way you would think about editing mm-hmm. so i think i might take it back there was some pretty stuff but there was also some stuff that really bothered me in the first couple of episodes they were cutting action scenes way too fast which was telling you that once again you were possibly going to get iron fist level action scenes mm-hmm. where they use editing to hide the fact that the actors don't know what they're doing, um, which I understand is tough in a in a television show, but it still bothered me. And uh, yeah, they were doing some weird angles and stuff like they were trying to be artsy and it just didn't work for me. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I can see that. I really did feel like there was and I don't remember the the movie. I've, I've seen a couple movies that have done this, that they've kind of referenced the fact that it's comic book by freezing a frame and then comic book kind of putting a comic book filter on it and then moving to another, like that's their transition. And I almost felt like there were some shots that would have really played, like not that I would want them to have done that, but I think it kind of just felt like, all right, if you pause this right now, this could be a panel in a comic book. Like the, the, I just feel like the framing and everything else just kind of felt like, and, and, and the fact that they were colorizing each character, um, I, I'm noticing the, I'm noticing the touches that they're putting in there to kind of give it a comic book feel. I mean, I can understand that with like the, the clipping of the, the fight scenes and everything that that's just making up for. They don't have good stunt people as far as like the actual actors doing the fights. Um, I think as every, every episode they've, they've done somebody that's less skilled at fighting. Cause I think the gentleman who plays, daredevil is the only one that really has any kind of background in it right uh i think so yeah charlie cox uh has i think some level of training um and certainly you could tell in daredevil that he put the work in yeah and then you know you get to luke cage where he doesn't really have to be all ninja like he just has to hit things and so that's a little bit easier to cover up and same thing with jessica jones then you bring in um, somebody for Iron Fist who doesn't have any training and was kind of rushed through his training, you know. Right. It's and that that I don't blame on Finn Jones. I don't blame him for the fact that he was a late stage replacement for the character of Danny Rand, and uh, he got next to no time to rehearse or learn the fight choreography. They're basically all right. Now you're going to do this and then this. All right, great. We're going to shoot it. Good. We shot it. All right, next. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll cut it together to make it look better later on. But. I mean, it was certainly a little better right. in this one, but I still don't see him as a martial artist. I don't buy Finn Jones as a martial artist. No. Well, and the character is just hard to like. 
The character's yes. just hard to like. But I liked that here, if that makes sense. I <laughs> yes. did like because you actually have characters to like, which is exactly. huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, because in Iron Fist, like I, I, I love Madame Gao. I think Madame Gao is a deeply interesting character. Absolutely. Which is actually one of my problems with the Defenders. Um, I like Colleen Wing. I like the idea that she's this teacher and she goes out and does these fights knowing she really shouldn't, but she kind of likes it. Mm -hmm. um, she's got depth. I thought Bakudo was sort of an interesting character. Um, but yeah, I don't like Iron Fist in Iron Fist. And the problem is he's the main character and you're trying to sympathize with him and failing. Here, I like him because that means his ridiculous, you know, they try and make him more of a, I guess, if we're using the term comic booky character. They're throwing him up against these other characters like Jessica Jones, who could care less about the powers. She has them, but doesn't really want to get involved in all that. Um, and he just seems that much more ridiculous. And it's everybody else, you know, giving him shit for him thinking he fought a dragon and, and you know, all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like the dynamic that that character brings. So in that sense, it's OK, cool. But you know what? You could have not made Iron Fist at all. Or made one episode, like the first two episodes of The Defenders, introduce Iron Fist, mm -hmm. and let's move on. Because all the other crap with um, the the see, I don't even, the Meachams, I almost didn't couldn't even remember their family name. All that side plot with the Meachams and stuff, yes, that comes from the Iron Fist comics, but no, I don't care. No, that was horrible. <laughs> I just can't and as far as the so show, horrible. right? And as far as the show looking comic booky. That bugs me, too, as a hardcore comic book fan, because all comics are are just graphic storytelling. And I don't like this idea that a comic book movie needs to look like a comic book. Now, if you're doing a Frank Miller, if you're doing Sin City, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing Dark Knight, that makes sense. And I loved what they did there because it was the comic book brought to life and the framing and, and all the weird stuff that Robert Rodriguez did. But I think that's its own thing. Like, I don't think people would necessarily want a, a Batman live action movie that looks exactly like the comics, because every time you have a different artist, they're going to do something completely different. So if you're building a Batman universe and telling big Batman stories, I, it's I don't know, it's hard. But it's basically the when direct when Hollywood people. Let's let's put it this way. When Hollywood people want to do a comic book thing, they have an idea of what that means. Mm -hmm. And they're always wrong. And that's how you get Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh, yes. You know, it's when people think they know what a comic book looks like and then what a comic book movie should look like. And they're wrong because perfect comic book movies. You, you take, you know, X-Men to Spider-Man to uh, Winter Soldier even the fight scene stuff in Civil War, there are comic book aspects to that, but it's a movie first. Mm -hmm. And it's using comic book stories. And I think that's, you can be overly, not overly, but you can be more stylized, but you shouldn't take it to the level of it looking like a comic book come to life unless you're making Sin City or something where the comic book itself is highly unrealistic in its depictions and art gotcha if that makes sense. yeah no i get it i get it i still enjoyed it <laughs> i still enjoyed okay it. no that's and that's fine and more power to you yeah that's this i mean that's that whole nerd rage thing is is you need to be able to uh temper that by saying this really bugged me 
But if somebody else enjoyed it, you need to be happy for those people that they enjoyed it and realize that it wasn't made just for yeah. you. Well, and I, and I definitely, and the thing is, is, I definitely see your point too. And I've done enough, um, uh, not, I mean, I'm not as, as skilled in it as some, but I have done some film study stuff so I can see your point definitely. But, you know, I, I definitely yeah. geeked out a lot about that and kind of was like, I, 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 there were moments where I'm like, I just enjoyed the look of this scene. Right. And, and I will give you that. I mean, the, the, the coloring and stuff was really good. And I know Void was talking about that on the geek to geek podcast as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm coming from a place I, I have a bachelor's in film studies. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time kind of living in that world and peeling apart things. And there's times where I was like, okay, this makes sense. And I think sometimes it was also due to, uh, the storyline as well. Like I have the whole issue of it's episode four when they're in the restaurant and they do the big lineup. And you're like, all right, I get it. This is supposed to be the moment that makes me all giddy because I'm seeing them all standing together for the first time ready to fight. Right. Um, but as a comic fan who knows the characters, I'm also going like, but you wouldn't see Jessica Jones standing in that lineup. No, no. You know, she'd be standing next to Luke if she felt it was needed. She would stand up to people when it's needed. But the whole point is she tried to be an Avenger and it didn't work out in the comics. Right. Yeah, she tried to be a hero called Jewel and decided she hates it and just wants her to do, to do her own thing. Um, so there, there was certainly some character things in there that bothered me. And that all might have added to my feelings of the characters lining up. Cause I guess in civil war, I didn't mind it at all when it was clearly a comic book scene, you know, brought to life. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm willing to admit that. Well, I mean, it sounds like, especially from what I've seen you, um, in your show notes, that that you're 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 struggling with the character of Jessica Jones in this in this uh, series. Yes. So I've read Alias. I never read The Pulse, which was the follow up series, but I've read the original Alias comic book that introduced Jessica Jones and retconned her as a former Avenger for a very short period of time and a former superhero who had you know met Spider Man and and all of these other characters. Um, and yeah, the whole thing is it's meant to be a bit more adult and gritty and she kind of disassociates herself from it. She has the super strength and she has kind of the ability to fly, but she's terrible at it. Um, and that's sort of it. You know, it's it was the what happens if you have somebody who gets powers and like everybody else in comics immediately says, I'm going to be a superhero and then decides that either A, they suck at it or B, they hate it. Mm -hmm. How do you go on with your life? And it's, well, it's just she does private investigations. Sometimes it deals with superhero stuff. You know, often she gets herself stuck in situations that might require her to use her strength or something to get out of them. But her character doesn't read as a I'm standing next to you, let's be superheroes. Like her whole show is about her not wanting to get involved in anything and realizing that she just. And see, I don't even know that I agree that she needed to take on the responsibility of I'm the only one that can stop Kilgrave. You know, it, it was more of a personal revenge story. So, yeah, I, I have issues with her as part of this team. The other three make total sense to me. And I don't I like Jessica Jones being a character. I like her existing in this universe. But it feels like we needed a female character for this team. And then they pick Jessica Jones, not realizing that she doesn't really work as a gritty like get rid of her. She's not a defender. You know who can be a defender? Colleen Wing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or Misty Knight. Because in the comics, they're the daughters of the dragon. Like, they're their own private eye team. They work with Luke Cage and Iron Fist all the time, and they're awesome. And, like, 
do that instead. Like we have female characters here that can be involved. Jessica Jones should be on the side. She gets involved when they accidentally break into her office or her building and she just needs to come down and deal with you. Yeah. You know, or if it's on a case she's working on, which it was like, and I appreciated that they used that to rope everything together in the first couple episodes. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's that idea of you have everybody else makes sense fighting ninjas Jessica Jones does not make sense fighting ninjas. Yeah. Now, see, I, I didn't read Alias. You're much more the comic book guy than I am. Um, and, and so I'm going just based off of, of what we've seen in the shows so far. And for me, right. I feel like the, the way they've set her up is, she, yeah, she doesn't want to be the superhero and she doesn't want the responsibility and she doesn't like it and she doesn't think she's good at it and it's just not her thing. But I feel like she's always kind of like there's two there's two Jessicas. There's the the one that is the the facade of I just don't care. And then there's the one that's kind of under that that does care reluctantly. Like she doesn't want to care, but she just does. And so it feels right. I, I feel like I saw that come up a lot. And and so I felt like it did feel like she not only was she um, an OK fit in there. I didn't feel like she was kind of tacked in as just, um, you know, we need a, a woman in this team. But I felt like she added a little bit of a different perspective to it all that was needed. And I, and I can say from sitting on the couch with um, people who have only seen Iron Fist and this, um, the only character that my mother-in-law has reacted to at all is Jessica Jones. Sure. No, I mean, the characterization is is good, except for those elements for me. Like when they're all sitting around the table in the fourth episode and they're talking, perfect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She was working on a case. She ran into all these people. But then her whole thing has got to be, look, no, you're a, a ninja and you're the Iron Fist and you have unbreakable skin and super strength. Like, I'm good. I I would much rather she stay out of it and continue doing her investigations and help out. And she comes in when needed. But the idea that she's a constant presence on the team doesn't make sense to me personally. I get it. I that's get always, it. That's always sort of her role in the comic books is she's around, but it's mm -hmm. in the periphery. She is not there to be, you know, she doesn't shout Avengers assemble and lead people into battle kind of thing. That's right. not her bag. She doesn't know how to fight. That's the other thing is super strong, but she doesn't have she's not impervious to harm and she's still fighting ninjas with swords. And like, so I find that hard to believe of holding your own in those fights. Like, yes, you can throw things at them and you can pull things in front of doors to block the doors. And I'm all down with that. But like when you have guys flipping around you, cutting you with knives and swords and, and throwing stars or whatever, um, then I start running into issues with that. I can see it. I can yeah. see it. Um, I do agree with your your feelings that Madame Gao is underused because oh, I, yes, there are multiple times that I just like turned to Matt and went, I love Madame Gao. Yes. Like you're not supposed to like the bad guys, but she's such a good character. No, but that's the whole thing of the Netflix shows is they want you to feel at least a little sympathy. They really spend time on their with their villains mm -hmm. and in this show, I felt I don't. I, I never really got close to Alexandra. They're like she's dying. We're like, oh, that's sad. Mm -hmm. 
But beyond that, like you don't really get a whole lot of reason to sympathize with her like you do with Wilson Fisk or like you do on some level with Kilgrave. I mean, not really because he's a horrible person and does horrible things, but they explain to you his childhood and that sort of thing. You don't really get that with Alexandra. And I, you know, I it's hard to talk about it without talking about the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, But even in the I would say in these first four episodes, when you find out that like Madame Gao kind of works for her, you're sort of like, no. She should be the one that's in charge. She's the more dynamic character. We've spent more time with her. We've developed more with her. And she is far more interesting because we don't know anything about her. Like, if we need to spend all of these times with our main characters and developing those relationships, then it's okay to spend less time with the villain this time. Give us the villain that we already know a little bit about, but who's utterly mysterious. Right. Give us well, Adam Cow. I want her as my villain. Right. Well, and also, and maybe this is just me because I'm finding myself say this more and more often. It's it's Madame Gal and the three other guys and Sigourney Weaver. Right. Like those are the characters. Like I have trouble like separating. Like I feel like she is so much more known than anybody else in this um, in this universe. Yes. Like none of these actors are as big as her and she just kind of stands out. Right. And but I think that's intentional. I mean, she's always wearing white and she, like the whole I think she's intended to be this person that stands out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of embrace the fact that they were using uh, a, a much better known actress to lead that. But it did kind of feel like the, you have this perfectly good villain, but instead you felt you needed a Hollywood, you know, actress like Hooray for older actresses getting work and playing powerful roles, but it's also the, we have this wonderful older, you know, Asian actress, and instead you're giving us the white lady that everybody knows and loves because she's Ripley. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, like, it just didn't fit as well for me, like, and I was interested to see what was going to happen and wait for kind of the other shoe to drop and find out something more interesting, um, I just don't know that I ever got that in the first four episodes here. I just was mainly like, no, more Madame Gao, please, mm-hmm. instead. Uh, and then while we're talking about Alexandra and episode four specifically, there's stuff I liked about the previous ones uh, as well. Um, there was that nerd moment that I think you said was in episode three. Um, oh, yeah, definitely in episode three it was the before the hallway fight scene. But it was in episode four, A... You have Jessica Jones walking in and then like walks up to line up with everybody just so they can have their comic book shot instead of her, you know, punching Electra again just in the face and knocking her out. And then mm-hmm. we can move on with their plot. It's the idea of the face off with the big villain. And then we talk and we let the big villain walk away. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I understand the it's not self-defense yet thing, but like. Your vigilantes already and for Iron Fist to not immediately punch anybody associated with the hand makes zero sense to me. Right. Because that's the whole purpose of his character is he's this hothead. He, he moves before he thinks. He's nothing but reactionary. He's still a teenager, basically, in an adult body, um, adult-ish body. And that scene alone, like, I understood the purpose of it. It was the villain monologue moment. But it was the fact that I recognized it as a villain monologue moment that bothered me. Yeah. So as as well as I think Sigourney Weaver does with the character, I didn't like the character and I didn't like the way the other um, heroes responded to the villain character and the way that some of those scenes were written 
that scene in particular in episode four, like I, I love the initial conversations around the table and stuff. And it's great character moments. I love the takedown of iron fist by Luke cage verbally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. loved, loved, loved that because that is that type of, of, um, dialogue that I feel we need in, in this show in particular, because we're dealing with more realistic things than aliens. And, uh, I mean, I guess dragons, but aliens and, and that idea of like, this is the difference between these two characters in one, uh, 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 Oh, come on. One, uh, exchange of words mm-hmm. and, and getting a little, you know, this kind of leaks into episodes five and six, but, um, my biggest concern going into defenders was that since we were coming off of iron fist, how do you get to the point where iron fist and Luke cage become buds? Because yeah. to me, that's like one of the classic Marvel bromances. Like it's just like they, they are so closely connected in my mind. And I felt like they were starting at such diametrically opposed spots and I thought that was they do a good job with it, I feel. Yeah, they do. They really do a good job of kind of showing like I think it's a different dynamic than it is in the comics. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like Luke Cage is starting to kind of take him under his wing and say, All right, oh, oh you know, there's there's a part I'm gonna skip ahead, we'll maybe we'll talk a little bit when we talk on, on your show, but but when when he's talking to him, there's kind of that moment of all right, you just need you need a friend right now, so I'm going to be that friend, even though my instincts are to just not like you. And yeah, just I, he's the better man. Yeah, and I just appreciate it. Like I think it it's this kind of the, I'm going to pat you on the head because that's what you need right now. But right. then we're going to send you on your way because we've got work to do. And and I I'm I'm loving the dynamic that they're developing, and I was really worried they weren't going to be able to get there. Right. And and when I was talking about the things I liked in the earlier episodes, my big nerd moment, I think, um, was the Luke Cage and Iron Fist in episode three. I think it was when they were in the office building and uh, they're fighting the hand people. And then the guys show up with the guns and Iron Fist just instinctively knows to duck behind Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. That moment was it was so simple. But it was the I have Luke Cage and Iron Fist fighting back to back and they're using logic in how they're fighting together. Loved that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then the first fight between the two of them is great. And uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the early episodes of Luke Cage, there's the guy that goes to punch Luke Cage in the face and it's a slow-mo punch and he shatters his fist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this time it's the same shot, but this time it's Luke Cage's face gives way when he gets hit by the iron fist and he goes. So they're saying this is how this is going to be different. Yeah. The first time here's somebody punching Luke cage and it's going to hurt. Yeah, absolutely. That's that. I picked up on that immediately. I thought that was pretty cool. And that's what happens. Like if you're, if you are just starting to watch it and you've only gotten to episode one or two, um, the end of episode three I turned to Matt and like, okay, now it's a Defenders movie. Right. Like it just, that's what pushes it into the rest of the, and then I feel like, okay, this is the movie or this is the the show that I wanted to see. This is the series that I wanted to see is them working together and, and doing things and not just kind of independent. I think, I think it took a little too long to get there, but once it gets there, I feel like it gets me into the the pace of things. 
Sure. Now, but what did you think about trying to include all the different side characters from the different shows, though? Um, I like how they do it post episode four <laughs> and i don't know how it ends with the last two episodes but i do like i do like like it there's a scene in episode five or six that makes me just a happy person <laughs> because okay. it's well, like we won't get into it right no but it's so many it's just like so many characters um yes. i couldn't my big thing is and this is a problem in iron fist as well i didn't like colleen wing being a love interest i thought she could have been a strong character without it mm-hmm. i don't feel it added anything to the show mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes having a love story in there is fine. In this case, I didn't think it worked. Um, in Jessica Jones, for example, was, it was made sense, you mm-hmm. know, put that relationship in there cause it impacts the show later on. Uh, I hated the way they used or disused Colleen wing in the early episodes of the show. Cause she is just as capable as let's say daredevil mm-hmm. without the special abilities. She is just as trained and just as capable of a fighter and it's just sort of set off to the side because you're not one of the main actors. You know, right. again, it was a thing that to me failed to meet the logic that had been built up in the other shows. The logic of she is standing side by side with Iron Fist and is just as capable of a fighter. And never mind, I guess, when we get to the Defenders because she doesn't have superpowers. Mm hmm. You know, and there's some argument to be made there, but it was just she got relegated to a girlfriend role. And that is not what she's supposed to be doing. No, not at all. Not at all. And I would agree with that. Um, yeah. I, I also like and again, I think they start to fix this a little later, but I think out of all of the characters, I am more most interested in watching Daredevil. Like, I feel like he's the most interesting visually okay and it takes him for it takes them forever to get him into that suit and i understand why it's part of the character but it's a little bit over mopey yeah well i was gonna say like i i wasn't you would kind of assume since daredevil's the guy with two seasons that maybe he was going to kind of lead the way into the defenders and kind of be if there's any character that stands out it'd be him or maybe iron fist since it's the hand Luke Cage, by far, my favorite character Absolutely. in The Defenders, because he is a clear-cut character. It's easy to understand his motivations. He spells them out verbally as well as physically. And yeah, Daredevil just kind of let me down. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to see more of this, you know, because he talks about, oh, he lied and he actually really likes doing it or whatever in episode one when he's talking to Karen Page uh, and says he, he doesn't miss it. But it's this idea that, like, the whole point of Daredevil is... He's got the fire inside him and a rage, and he gets it out by pummeling the hell out of bad guys, and he's Mm -hmm. really ruthless. That's the whole point of season two is pitting, you know, the way he does things against the Punisher and Elektra and not killing. And they're like, but clearly all you're doing is getting your frustrations out by punching people in the face repeatedly. Right. Um, And I wanted that grit that he brought to it. I wanted him to be super broody not super emo. And I felt like I, because of Electra being involved, it's more emo than it is. I'm the brooding guy. I'm just here to hurt people. Like he should have been more of their Batman. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think he quite filled that role because the whole thing is he's the one pining over the girl. Yeah. 
Well, and I also I also have to say that I mean, going a little bit back to your your complaint about Colleen Wing, I also feel like they missed an opportunity because I I think most of us assumed that the way they were going to get together was through uh, Claire. Yes. And yeah, that's how we got Iron Fist and Luke Cage together. But but she like I kept waiting for her to make for for everybody in the room to acknowledge that Claire has had an impact on all four of these characters' lives. Yes, or at least mention when they're talking about the city and whatever and protecting people of the there are people willing to help us too in this city that don't have powers, like of making that point. Yeah. yeah. And 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 you know, and I think I think there's the whole we have to have the struggle because it's 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 classic comic book. Two two good guys are on the same case, they run into each other, they kind of fight and then they realize they're on the same side and then they solve the problem together. I mean, that's very classic comic book storyline. Right. I feel like they spent so much time with this, oh, we're all angsty. Like, I, I was getting a little over the, the restaurant. I was like, just move on with the plot. Like, just bring Claire in somehow, get her to say you're all on the same side, just do it because we know you want to. Let's yeah. go in with the story. The story literally takes all the side characters and throws them in a side room and says, just sit out the plot for us, will you? Yeah, yeah, and that's and, – and I'm hoping – I haven't seen the rest of the show, so don't no spoilers, but I my, right now I'm hoping that something happens in that room because otherwise it's just a waste. Sure. Well, let's, let's move into that then. What do, you, what do you hope to see for the end of the show? And I guess I won't even bother commenting because I've seen it, but uh, I'm interested to know – where you are, and I know you've seen another extra couple of episodes, but, um, you know, what drew you into immediately watching five and six? And then what do you hope to see with the end of the show? Um, I, I kind of feel like I already know where this show's going to end. And that bothers me. Like, I feel like there's not going to be any surprises. And I feel like the big epic, like I would, I would love to see, um, um, is it Patsy Walker or Trisha in the comics? They call her Trish in the, yeah, she's yeah. Patsy in the comic books, but, but yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to see Trish, um, do some, some, some fighting on her own. I mean, they had her taking lessons in Jessica Jones and they had Claire pick up the claws and iron fist. Like, I feel like there is, there is a way to get her to Hellcat and I want to see that. Um, I have a feeling we're not going to, um, I want to see, um, I want to see a really cool fight scene with Misty Knight and, um, and Colleen Wing. I don't know that we're going to get that. Like, there's a lot of stuff there that I think should be there, but at least where I am in the series, I don't know it's going to happen. And, um, and right now I want to see more, I think from the side characters because the main characters path seems kind of obvious like it's going to like the the biggest problem with the plot is that it's not there's nothing new and i don't feel like there's any surprises there was a little surprise in episode six which i won't get into till we talk next week but um other than that i feel like everything's been kind of railroady okay okay interesting i say nothing
<laughs> you are at an advantage, sir. Yes, I look forward. I look forward to hearing your thoughts when we go and do part two over on the comic box. Um, I've seen what you think once the show is over, and then what you're you would want if they ever do a second Defenders, because we know some of these other shows are getting additional seasons. But um, yeah, of of what you want going forward, because there's stuff there that I really want to talk about, but I can't. Yeah, no, we'll have to we'll talk about it when we record next, because. Okay. Yeah, that like I realized I realized as I was watching because I was trying really hard only to watch up through four, but and I don't even remember what happened at the end of the four. But I kind of turned to my husband. I'm like, can I watch another one? He's like, yeah, let's watch another one. So we watched the next one, and I'm like, okay, it's only like eight fifteen. Like one more. <laughs> um, so I was enjoying it, and I don't know if that comes across. I I often think, um, and I get accused of this when I record with Ray too, that I'm so focused on the the stuff that I can pick apart because I feel like that's the analysis part of it that we don't always, I don't always say I really am enjoying the series and sure. I am really enjoying the series. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I was, I will say easy to binge this show. Very easy. Like if, if nothing else, I was able to sit down, even though I knew that it's what I was planning on doing if I was having a really hard time, I would have stepped away, mm -hmm. you know, because I knew I didn't need to get through the whole thing. But it was very easy just to go next episode. Like eventually, once I got into like episode six or whatever, just because I had been watching so much television, um, I kind of needed to step away. But I was like watching episodes where it'd be like, all right, half this episode is on my phone because I'm up making myself lunch. And then, you know, I had it on not as I was cleaning or anything. Uh, I was always paying attention to the show. But I wasn't it wasn't, you know, eight hours sitting in front of a television because I can't physically. do Right. That. Right. Well, and unless I'm playing a video game, I guess I think we're all guilty of being able to super game from time to time. But, absolutely. Um, but it is an easy show to binge. It flows fairly well, well. And the and then a little peek behind the curtain when I, I originally mentioned to you that, hey, it's a crossover series. Why don't we do a podcast crossover? I didn't realize it was only eight episodes. I thought it was going to be like 12 or 13, like the other ones were. And one of our complaints was, is we both tried to binge in a week Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah. Not a bingeable show. No, no, really not. Really not. No, that show could have been great if it was like three, three episodes, I think. Like boil that show down to its core. Mm -hmm. And I feel the story would have been much better. Lose the Meachums, just deal with the hand. Mm -hmm. um, pull up a little bit on the angst. Yeah, like... Let him have to adjust to city life, and but uh, this isn't an Iron Fist episode, so never mind. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't yeah, go down that rabbit yes, hole. <laughs> and it was so nice that it was only eight episodes too, wasn't it? Wasn't that great? Well, it just says it says to me that they didn't they didn't pad the story. Yes, not as much as they would have otherwise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, we're gonna close this up and uh, move on to shout outs. Do you have any shout outs for this week? Yeah, I mean, I guess just in general, anybody that might be coming to this show from other shows, again, we can. what what day do you publish? Are you on a set schedule? Yeah, I always put uh, my shows out on Mondays. Okay, so there might be another show coming out somewhere on the internet on Monday that might be saying something about something that has to do with the geek to geek podcast network. I'm being super, super mysterious about this but anyway shout out to anybody maybe that is from that show or might be listening here coming from that show uh certainly anybody that's following me around online after the con last weekend which i kind of doubt because it was really low attendance on the panels 
and um, just your listeners in general. Any of your new students will say that. Hi, <laughs> yeah, hi, everybody. Um, I'm going to send out a quick shout out to Kenny, uh, my friend Kenny, who sent me a code for a sil- Salazzle for Pokemon, which is just, you know, cool. He's like, hey, you want a Pokemon? I'm like, sure. Um, that would be a normal. That's not Pokemon Go then. That's no, that's regular Pokemon. There's no codes for that. Yeah. Which I will say, and I I sincerely doubt she would listen to this, but a shout out if we're talking Pokemon to my wife. She yesterday caught her unknown, which was the last non-regional Pokemon she needed to catch. So she's got the legendaries and like the 138 or whatever it is other Pokemon in Pokemon Go. That's impressive. Yeah. And she's got the Mr. Mime as well from when we went overseas is she paid for the extra data, just like you were talking about last mm-hmm. week, and uh, was not as lucky as you to get it in, in a couple minutes. We actually spent the day wandering around Belfast, and uh, but eventually, like right at the end of the day, right before we were going to give up and, and uh, go get dinner, she managed to catch a, a Mr. Mime. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's, that's yeah. really So she just needs to go to, like, Japan, and then where's the other one is, like, down in Florida? Well, I think it's uh, South America, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, I want to send a shout out to somebody who joined me. Like I, I have a, my Twitter set up. So that way, if somebody signs onto the Geektitude, you know, follows Geektitude, it sends a little message that says, hi, what are you geeking out about this week? Well, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I use a, I use a secondary oh, okay. program. So, um, we can talk off air about that. It's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, it says, Hey, you know, welcome. Here's my information. And what are you geeking out about this week? And it's been a while since somebody has said, I'm geeking about, out about this. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to acknowledge that person. And hopefully he's a listener. Uh, so Benjamin, I'm glad that you followed me on Twitter and, uh, I'm glad you're geeking out about Pokemon this week. So, um, if you said you were a big comic book fan, start listening to the, uh, comic box. Cause Rob's pretty awesome. Oh, shucks. <laughs> um, I just planned through this episode. And so coming up next week, I don't know who's going to be on the podcast. It'll be somebody exciting and interesting, I'm sure. Yes. But uh, um, I, I was trying to get uh, Mandy and Kevin from uh, the um, – oh, I'm going to get their, their thing wrong. The Bet You Didn't Know That podcast hmm. i think that's the right words okay. um and they every month do a uh episode on um just something random just a random topic and both of them research it independently and uh and then they come together and, and they're not so much trying to stump each other they're just kind of like so did you know this and did you know this? Did you find out about this in your research? And so it's just kind of fun because it's it's yeah. they're they're trying to kind of surprise the other person with a fact that they didn't find in their research, and it's kind of it's kind of cool. So yeah, that's a that's a fun premise. Yeah, sounds, but sounds interesting. But we're not going to be able to record with them next week because they're busy. So we're gonna, but we're going to get them in a future episode. Um, so as far as next weekend goes, I don't know, but. You and I will be back on your show, finishing yes. up our discussion about Defenders next week. Yeah, so you've got some watching to do. I do have some watching to do tonight and tomorrow. Hopefully we'll finish. I, if, if we can watch shows tonight, we'll watch it and finish it tonight. Otherwise, tomorrow. And we'll be ready to go. Cool. All right. All the music. Tell them about Ben Sound. 
start. <laughs> All music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other geek to geek shows such as the geek to geek Podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and The Comic Box. And maybe something else soon? Keep an eye maybe. on us this week. And make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. Yes, you can... we're going to be talking Game of Thrones on that thing. Tonight? No, tomorrow night. It's Saturday. Tomorrow night. It's Saturday. Last episode tomorrow of night. The season. Yeah, last episode of the season for uh, Game of Thrones. And we do have a, a spoiler thread going on there that's been very quiet. I blame myself. I haven't been jumping in there as much as, as I've been wanting to. But, yeah, uh, I've gotten back onto the Reddit just since I've been back. I felt a little guilty. There was like a whole slew of episodes I didn't put up there, which I need to be better. I just, I don't yeah. read it. Yeah, I know. It's it's an automatic thing for me. Every time I'm posting an episode, I use Libsyn. And uh, when I'm doing that, I, I always automatically pull up Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the tab is open, which means I need to do something in that tab before I can shut things down and go to bed for the night or whatever. Well, that makes sense. Maybe I'll start doing that. You can currently find us at geektitude.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude, or me personally at epicgrays. And where where can we find you, Rob? We are on Twitter at comicboxcast. You can follow me personally on Twitter at noby. That's K-N-O-W-B-Y. And all of the other places, geek2geekcast.com, the subreddit. Uh, we're on Facebook. There's a Geek2GeekCast Facebook, and I I think I'm the only person that posts on it. I think <laughs> like other people have access to it. Void never touches Facebook anymore, and uh, Beach, I think, is mostly using Twitter as well these days. So I try I to get try my... And... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I try and post things that would interest people that aren't just fans of my show, so I don't just do comic stuff. I'll post, like, Overwatch news or anything else that I happen to come across. Uh, I'm not great at keeping up with the Facebook stuff, but uh, we're there. So if more people are posting on Facebook, then that community can grow as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I try to get my episodes on there as well, but I, I will try I will try and be better about Facebook. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Rob. Uh, it's always fun to geek out with you about our fun stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I like doing this. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And make sure you catch the rest of this discussion on the next episode. Do you know what episode that number that will be? Oh, top of my head, I believe that is going to be 63. Technically the 64th episode, but the one we just posted is a very special episode because it's explicit. I let Liam talk about whatever he wanted to, and we were allowed to swear. And so it was Liam's very own episode. Um and I didn't count it as a proper episode of the show because of that. Okay. So we, we talked about some comic booky things about the con, but then he also talks about some things he saw at the state fair, and he gets into some adult content. We'll we'll put it that way. <laughs> so it's a there's a there's a, there's a warning on that one. <laughs> yes, it's the only explicit episode we have ever done, um, and it was intentionally done that way to be an outlier. So I believe it will be episode 63 will be the second half of our Defenders review. Crossover. Crossover. So join us over there. And remember this week, keep it geek. I'm Void. 
And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks, that is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers.